Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman. And we have another great show for you today. We are here with Go With The Float, Stephen Bryla, who is the, the owner and founder of, of The Float Spot and that opened in East Hampton. So welcome, Stephen. Thank you, thank you. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's just let's just start from scratch. Tell us what is floating. What is floating? All right, floating is is many things and nothing actually. It what? really is. It really is everything and nothing, right? So what happens physically is we provide a space where you come in and um, you you enter your own private room and then you enter the float tank. Now uh, within the float tank, which is um, really a, a, a big bathtub that's you know nine feet long, uh, four feet, or five feet wide, and inside of the tank there's uh, ten to eleven inches of water. But the key in all this is there. 1200 pounds of salt in that water okay yes epsom salt epsom salt magnesium sulfate so when you get in you take a shower you get in the water in the nude and when you lay down on your back you float like a cork and not only that it is quiet and it is dark inside so in the past um this practice was referred to as sensory deprivation but actually your senses are it's really a sensory enhancement there's just nothing to there's no environmental stimulus on the other end to grab onto. Okay, so people come to the float spa or the sensory deprivation tank, as it used to be called, yeah. and they take a shower and then they step into this large bathtub that's like nine by five yep. into 1,200 pounds of Epsom salt, and then you just float in the dark. Then you just float in the dark. Okay, because you're floating. Because why are you why are you actually floating? Well, because of the buoyancy, or. Like, why would you want to do this? <laughs> well, I, I was thinking, like, physically, like, why? How? Do, how is that? Oh like, yeah, yeah. So it's it's like similar to the Dead Sea. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar. So it's the same idea that because of the the buoyancy of the specific gravity of the of the water is so high that therefore, literally, just think of it like the reason why a um a, a buoy floats right on the ocean. Oh, okay. Yep. So where are the buoy in the we ocean? We are the buoy I in like the ocean. That. And so also another thing to add to this is that um, with the tub, there's there's like a cap over it. It's big enough that you can stand in, but it is like a room within a room. So you're in your room, right? And then within the float tank, you, you close a door as well that um, you can open at any time. There's a light in the float tank. So once you're situated, you enter with the light and then you, you know, you get that, you get down, you lay back and you pop the light off and your float begins. Now, you know, I've, I've had, um, you know, one of my friends who's a dream therapist, you know, she talks about how people are scared of the dark. Mm. Are people, I mean, does that elicit a fear response for people when they're in a room, within a room, in the dark? in the nude by themselves yeah by the, with their own mind i think i think the biggest fear is well there's two one is the whole claustrophobia thing rather than the darkness um and what i tell people is that when people think of claustrophobia they often think of being in a small space which 
is true, which is what it is. But the other piece to that is um, a lack of control within that small space. So, you know, you think of airplanes, closets, elevators, the famous MRI machine, everyone's terrified, where if there's a technical malfunction or the power goes out or whatever, um, you know, you're, you're stuck. You're stuck in those spaces. But in the tank, you can, you can turn the light on whenever you want. You can open the door whenever you want. You can get out whenever you want. So that it, that's the main um, apprehension with, the, with the, the small space. The other one being um, people just, again, like I mentioned, being afraid to be alone with themselves, you know. Um, no other people, no TV, no, no computer, no phone. It's just, it's just you. Do people bring their phone into the tank? <laughs> no, but um, people have asked me. Okay. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, preferably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I guess if, if going in, I mean, people don't go in with anything, including clothes or a bathing suit, correct? Correct, correct. And what, what is the reason for, for the, like, you know. The for, nudity? Yeah. So with the bathing bathing suit, it's really two twofold. It's your, the, the bathing suit can actually be dirty whereas if it helps keep the water clean if you're nude which is maybe counterintuitive to some people but think that if you're running late for your appointment right and all of a sudden you're reaching at the bottom of your hamper to grab your moldy dirty um, bathing suit or maybe your bathing suit's so clean that there's too much soap in it and now that's messing with the um, water chemistry and also the second half is that it's it's really just going to mess with your your sensual and tactile experience. You wanna you know you wanna be free in there. It's almost it can be a, um, an out of body experience, which I failed to mention. Part of the flow in the sensory um, environmental stimulus or lack thereof is the water and the air is your same is the same as your skin temperature. So it's like a tepid um, temperature. It's you're not hot or cold. What is what is the temperature of the skin? Yep, so it, that runs around like high 93, 94. Um, a lot of people are familiar with the 98.6 degrees. Yeah, with the, the our internal, internal, right? Yeah. 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 And so the, the 93 point, what was it that you said? We keep it around 94. 94, yeah. okay. And so the air and the water are the same temperature. And so how does... So, the, so the body. How does how does the body respond when the air and the water are the same temperature as the skin? Yeah. So, well, I mean, we, that's the idea. We keep it as close as we can. Like some some people's temperature run different. For example, women tend to run a little cooler. So we're able to after a float, we ask people how is the temperature, and so the next visit, we can either put it up a little, down a little. Typically, once you get in, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm giving people the, the spiel before and we open the door and it's their first time looking inside a float tank, they're like, oh, it's hot in there. And I'm like, no, it, you're going to be surprised because once you take the shower and get in naked, you can kind of feel some things happening for a while. But once you relax into the experience, that's when you, you begin to lose track of where the, the water starts and the air stops. Yeah, Really cool. Mm. So how... How did you get into floating? But, How did I, I mean, get into floating? Well, it uh, feels like such a it feels like such a West Coast thing in a lot of ways. Like how tell, I, tell it did about. it did start on the West Coast actually uh, the first com- commercial float center in uh, Los Angeles in the seventies. Um, but I, I got into floating. I was uh, at UMass, and this was about eleven years ago now. And I was a student there, and a friend brought it to my attention, and so I instantly. Um, wanted to dive into a float tank, the closest one I could get into. And I figured, you know, Western Mass must have something like that, you know, and it didn't. I looked, I looked, 
and I had to go out to this spot in Worcester called the Crystalline Matrix, mm-hmm. and they were not a dedicated float center. They were uh, massage, um, energy healing, stonework, kind of, you know, and they had a, a spare room to the side that had a float tank. It was a Samadhi tank, which was one of the first um, commercial tanks, uh, one of the smaller ones, which can kind of skeeve some people out. But once you settle into the experience and, and center yourself, it's really, you know, it's really the same experience no matter the size of the tank. But anyway, I popped in and um, I had a uh, I had a really profound experience, and I remember just leaving thinking like, I can't believe that um, I can't believe that people don't know about this. You know, like people need to know about this, you know. And I was also thinking I went again the following year back to the Crystalline Matrix, and I um, I thought to myself, well, this is something that I would like to do more than once a year, and also not have to drive on the Mass Pike after a float and uh yeah the seed the seed was planted you you mentioned that you had a really profound experience on your first float can you share a little bit about what what your experience was on that very first time you floated I, i i will share but i will just preface it with i'm sometimes i'm kind of um what's the word i i'm kind of apprehensive to share because um I don't really like to prime people as of like what they should expect, you know? Okay. So just keep in mind that like the flow experience is different for everyone. And I don't want to say like this happened to me and so it should happen to you. And this is what can, is going to happen. Of course. But here was my experience. So, um, I was probably about 20 years old and I'm, I'm 31 now. And so, um, I, I wasn't really aware of, you know, mindfulness, meditation, any of that. And turns out what happened in there looking back was, I just entered a deep meditative state and it took me a while. I remember being in there and floating around and thinking like, okay, what's happening? What's going on? What am I even doing? Like, is something supposed to be happening? You know? And then all of a sudden, like you, you, you tune into your breathing, you catch in with your breathing or I did right. Speaking for me. And, um, I don't know. I just kind of tuned out, tuned out yet tuned in at the same time. And I kind of had, um, I guess what you could call like an out-of-body experience and I felt like um, I I was no longer in my body and I just was pretty much like either floating through space or was space. That's cool. Yeah. You just become one with the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That sounds like kind of what happens when people leave their physical body when they transition when they pass over you know they just become they go back to consciousness yeah so it's fun and of course that's that's you know and i know everybody has different belief systems about what happens after death but um to me that's that's my understanding of um, yeah well it's funny you say because um uh another people bringing back with the apprehension of people getting in the tanks people go to the extreme of asking me what happens if i die in there now to me and you're like you know, well then we call 911 <laughs> yeah that would and not be a very somebody successful somebody else will deal with that situation business model yeah <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm like well it'll be a seamless transition you know <laughs> <laughs> they're like what just kidding no and it's like no it's the, the ego death not the body death you know um but yeah yeah we have fun how so how did you get from that first float to all of a sudden opening a float spa i mean that's such a huge jump yeah well like i said after the after the second float really or the second or the first the the seed was planted of you know why why is this not in the valley Mm. you know this float thing so um 
it was really out of just like someone should do this you know someone should do this yeah and of course we have euphoria in northampton now Mm -hmm. and they're great and it's like whoa now there's two in the valley it's like there's something really happening with this float thing and um okay you know the pioneer valley is not boston is not new york but you know i think we have a bit of a a quantity or a quality over quantity thing here people are into this stuff and um there's a huge healing arts community around here you know it's just people aren't you know people aren't aware yet of what of of what floating is so we're just still working on the education piece and um yeah so i kind of steered off from that how did i go from the jump just that yeah i wanted to see uh floating in the valley and it became this thing of like someone should someone should do this and then so um you know, when I when I heard Flo- Float Euphoria was doing their thing, I'm like, well, you know, we're going to do this anyway. I had just got back from a conference in Portland, Oregon, um, a float conference, believe it or not. Wow. They exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I went three years in a row and did all this research and, um, yeah, and, and then got down to it. So there there's a lot that goes into running the tanks themselves because i know that you you mentioned that the water chemistry so it's not just water with a bunch of epsom salt there's a whole lot of chemistry going on mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about um the the water and the tank maintenance and that kind of the you know pe- you know people getting in and out and all that yeah how we keep it clean yeah it? Yeah, yeah exactly pe- yeah people want to know people want to know that so basically you mentioned um you know all the epsom salt in there so i found out in my uh in my research of all this that they call the dead sea the dead sea because nothing is living in it so because of that high salt content it's not really um you know it's not really susceptible to like bacterial growth and things like that but obviously there's a whole um we take all these precautions there is a so there's a filtration pack attached to the uh the tanks kind of like a like a pool or a hot tub you know and so what happens is after each float the um the water does a bunch of turnovers meaning that the amount of water turns through the filtration pack um five times before the next floater and there's um just like a pool there's a like a hair filter getting hair and then there's a smaller micron filter filter for smaller particulates and um there's a a uv system a uv light in the filtration that the water runs by and we dose the water with uh, hydrogen peroxide uh, 35 percent which will burn your skin it obviously dilutes down in the water but because of the h2o2 residual and the uv that system is so we don't have to use chlorine Gotcha. Because in an enclosed space and the salt's so good for your skin, we don't want to um, counter that and you don't want to be breathing that. And there's also an ozonator, which pumps fresh ozone into the water and into the air. So so there's a lot of different layers. It, people yeah. start with a shower beforehand. Which clean, is key, by the way. Up. Oh, I just yeah. want to say a thing about that. So I learned that in all this research, again, that if people would take um, a a 60 second shower of, of warm water before they got into uh, public waters that would mitigate 80 percent of what gets into the waters now i don't think people are always doing that before they're getting in pools or even their own private pools at their home and it's required they take a shower at the float center we have soap um, shampoo the soap we use is from uh, sage meadow farms shout out to them they're nice. great stan yeah. makes the soap it's <laughs> right in the keystone building um and so, yeah, that's very important that people are showering before. 
right? And so the, the shower, and then you have the, the filter that the water filtration system goes through five times for each, uh, cycles through five times. Yeah. And then there's the, the ozone, the five micron filter catching all the stuff. So there's, there's a lot. You guys do a lot. Yeah. And so we, we get the water tested every two weeks. Uh, it's required from the health department in um, East Hampton. And so far, so good. Cool. Yep. Very cool. What do you guys test for? Um, uh, coliform, HPC count, and uh, I'm drawing a blank. Um, e. coli. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are testing for just to make sure that the everything is clean and good and yeah. Yeah. So are people fully immersed? Are they? I mean, are they? They're not. They're not. People aren't getting their faces covered, are they? No. So you lie on your back. Yeah. And so it's such that the water comes up to um, like the back side of your body is submerged, and the top side is kind of in the air, and so your face is in the air. Yeah. Awesome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, and you had mentioned this before, um, you know, people I think are also curious about how using cannabis, which is now legal in Massachusetts, as well as floating. Do you have any professional opinions on how the, that, you know, that plant medicine as well, or that recreational medicine for many people, um, pair with floating? Yeah. So a lot of people ask me, um, Joe Rogan actually is a big proponent of this, and Joe Rogan is how a lot of people come to floating. It's actually, I know I said I found out from a friend in college, but that friend found out from Joe Rogan, and he's a big proponent of this. And um, and Joe Rogan is a, he's a, a podcaster, yeah. and he is... He's on Fear Factor. Okay, yeah, yeah back comedian. in the day. Comedian, yep. So he's a, he's a, um, a you know, pop culture personality, yeah. and but he has a very, very large listening audience to his podcast yeah and like you said he's a huge proponent of floating yeah and also using cannabis right and so i do want to shy away from the word um recreational i'm not a big fan of that word and how that's um you know brought into our culture now um i think that you know the east would agree with that they they're not a big uh they don't really like to see how the west is using this plant and i think that using it uh, with intention, especially paired with the tank, can be very um, constructive, very spiritual. And so, you know, that's up to the individual because it is legal now. Uh, obviously, if people are acting out of whack, we can turn anyone we need to away. But um, definitely, definitely your first float, your first couple floats, like come in with a straight mind, get yourself acquainted with uh, me or who's ever working at the float center with the tanks, with the space. And then um, after that, you know, if you have any questions that um, you'd like to have a private conversation about with that. Um, but but yeah, I think it can be, it can definitely be uh, a, a powerful tool to use uh, paired with floating. And so when you say a straight mind, you mean just coming in like fresh and clean and under no influences. Exactly, yeah. And I want to reiterate that any substance use is, is prohibited, alcohol, no way. Um, so, you know, if what you do before, we're not in control of, but like I said, if you're acting out of line or we kind of sense a little something, you know, we'll probably ask you to kindly ask you to, you know, to exit. Yeah. That, that seems very reasonable yeah. <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, Ooh, have you ever turned yeah. anyone away from this before? Not yet. No. But what's great is with floating, you really don't need anything. Like that's the power of this. It's, um, it's amazing what the sober mind can do once you just give it the space with no distractions to do so. 
And on your website, uh, if you know anyone listening is just tuning in, we're chatting with Stephen Bryla of Go With The Float, which is a float spa in East Hampton. And on your website, you say that floating is training wheels for your mind to enter an environment with no stimulus bombarding your brain. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah, so getting back to a little meditation I just mentioned, I think that um, you know if meditation is riding the motorcycle, right? which most people wouldn't make that connection. But if you don't think meditation's like riding a motorcycle, I, I challenge you to sit and meditate for an hour and tell me how that goes. <laughs> or ride a motorcycle. <laughs> or ride a motorcycle. So what happens is when you're like a, the, the float can be entering the meditative state, but when you're, when you're sitting and meditating, there's so many, there's so many things happening. There's the outside world, there's sounds, there's people trying to call you distractions, your kids, your pets, um, there's pain, you know, you're facing, um, your, your shoulder hurts, your back hurts when you're inside of the tank, it makes it that much easier to remove these obstacles, kind of like the unbalanced obstacle of a bicycle or motorcycle, hence the, the training wheel analogy. So, so it becomes a space where you're not, you don't have any phones, you don't have anyone calling you or barking at you or anything like that. And so when you enter this space, what happens to your mind when you are just left alone without within the dark and you're floating? Yeah. So that kind of goes back to the whole like, um, sensitive, uh, um, it's like the, it's the priming thing that I don't really want to do. So John Lilly, who was the inventor of these tanks, that was his whole thing. Like, you know, don't prime the individual as what's going to happen in their mind because when they go in there and if I were to say, well, this is how you're going to react, then your mind will go through this phase, then this phase, then people go in there inspecting that instead of like, you know, the infinite amount of, of possibilities that could happen. So really we just, you know, we give people instruction how to safely physically enter and exit the tank, how to keep salt out of your eyes, etc. And then the whole, um, the whole mind thing is up to you. Okay. I didn't even think about that because there's so much salt in the tank. Yeah, how do you keep salt out of your eyes when you're going into when you're immersing yourself into a tank with 1200 pounds of salt? Yeah, so it's important to after the shower um pad your face dry with a towel so that when you enter and lay back, you're not wanting to wipe your wet face with your salty hands. Okay. I mean, the best thing is to just try to avoid touching your face in general. If you really have to or if you get a little in there, you can sometimes kind of squeeze your eyes um, and kind of pinch it out, you know. If not, you'll just have to get out and rinse or you can leave your towel to the side on the bar and just and give it a quick wipe. Okay. So you guys kind of make it, you, you let yeah, people know ahead yep. of time So what, what to prepare for, for just very practical things. Mm-hmm. But you prefer not to, to prime people in what their internal experiences are going to be. Correct. That seems very reasonable. I get that. You know, I, I, I think it is kind of important for people to just pay attention to what's going on internally. When um, and so tell us a little bit about um, I know your your location in East Hampton is amazing. You're part of the um, the Keystone building, which is the big converted mill. Um, how did you and then you kind of turned it into this almost like Victorian tea house it's really really cozy and um for such a huge space you've made it really really intimate really cozy Uh, how did you how did you decide on that location well finding the location was one of the trickier parts in this whole process 
Um, obviously Northampton was one of the first choices and a couple things fell through and, um, you know, made our way over to East Hampton and I really liked the vibe and the energy, what was happening in these, these buildings. Um, there's a lot of synchronistic building or, uh, um, businesses popping up. Um, so INSA is right in the back. Um, you know, there's a lot of art, um, the, um, there's food and the, the, the food trucks and the music in the back. And I just got a really good vibe. And so, uh, we did want to some, we did want to keep the, the vibe of the, the industrialness going of the building rather than just kind of whitewashing everything over. So, uh, we have, yeah, we have the exposed brick, the wood, it is kind of common practice at float centers to offer, um, water or tea after. So, yep. There's a little station after your float, you can hang out, you can, uh, serve yourself some tea. And, uh, we ask people to, um, yeah, really just kick it and, hang out for as long as you want after whether you want to talk or, or just be by yourself do a little journaling but yeah the build out was it was extensive it took us about a year whoa yeah about a year and um it I had a lot of help a lot of good helping hands and um yeah we're, we're happy with the way things came out that's amazing so a year you you have been very committed to this for a long time because you said that you, from your first float, first and second float experience, that you went to three different conferences, and then with a year build out, and wow, that's really you're you're even before the business, you were you were in it. Yeah, there's so much to know. Even even still, looking back now that it's built, I feel like I could have done even more. You know, even more research in this and that. But sometimes. Um, you just gotta go. You just gotta get <laughs> you to, just gotta it. Get to it. You yeah. just gotta do it. Yeah. So how many times have you personally floated? Oh man. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't keep track. Um, it's funny cause at these float conferences and I've heard other, uh, float center operators on po- podcasts or interviews and you know, they kind of have their number. Um, I'm really not sure if I had to ballpark it. Um, in the fifties, I guess, sixties. Yeah. Do you, is there a certain time that you like to float? Is it, do you like to float on the weekends or in the mornings or when is, when is your ideal time to float? Yeah. So it's always the same time actually. So 4.30 PM. Yeah. 4.31 actually. (laughs) Um, no. So I float at the end of the day mainly because that's when the day is done and I, you know, shop is closed up and that's when I have my time. I've heard of the benefits of floating in the beginning of the day, but for me, um, I would rather just, you know, sleep and do the day and float at the end. And also I feel like if I was floating in the beginning of the day, my mind would be too caught up in like, what do I have to do today? Is someone trying to call? Is someone trying to get in, you know, but at the end of the day, it's just, you know, no worries, relax and and off I go. Can you tell, and I, you know, and, and you mentioned this a couple of times, how you don't like to prime what people's, what people should experience or what they could experience. But I'd love to hear, you were talking a little bit about on the break about how sometimes you have more of a, your mind is a little more active during the floats. And sometimes you have, you know, you really slip into a more of a meditative float. Can you, can you share with us what, um, what the differences of the different types of floats that you experience? Yeah, so I think that people's um, 
idea of meditation tends to be like, oh, I'm going to meditate or I'm going to go in the float tank and all my thoughts are going to be gone and I'm going to, you know, enter samadhi, nirvana, and just it's it's going to be beautiful every time. But to me, what, what meditation more encompasses is just, you know, just being conscious and being aware of these thoughts and coming in and leaving you. And if, if it's more active, you know, just, just be aware and be conscious of that. Um, when I said an active float for me, sometimes um, I kind of just take in the whole physical aspect of the float if my mind isn't, um, uh, I guess, cooperating. And I'll kind of, you know, it, floating is a very physical thing. And some, in fact, sometimes that's why people come in just for the physical aspects. And I'll, I'll get in there, I'll, I'll, I'll go within, I'll feel my body, I'll do a lot of moving, um, or, uh, float yoga or, or floga as I like to call it, because you're able to really move your body in ways, um, in that near zero gravity environment that you wouldn't be able to on, um, definitely not on land, but even in, uh, like a pool or, or water. And even in water, you still have to exert energy to stay afloat. So Mm -hmm. having a space where, like you said, it's zero gravity or close to it, then you can, yeah, I can imagine that you'd be able to move your body in a very different way. Yes. Yep. So when you're saying that you, that you move your body, what are you doing? Traditional yoga stretches, you know, are you doing mountain pose, but like laying down? What is, what does that movement look like for you in the tank? Perhaps I can't say because I am not, um, I'm not a yogi, actually. I don't okay. practice yoga, so I'm not... Uh, well, I do, maybe my own things. I'm always stretching and moving, but I don't, you know, traditional yoga poses, so I can't say, yeah, this pose and that pose. And it's not like I really have a routine either. I just kind of listen to my body and like, oh, my back's kind of there, and oh, I'll kind of stretch this way or bring my legs in or stretch my arms out or... So you're just doing movement that feels right for your body in the moment. Yeah, but I I have heard of people going in there who are, um, have a yoga practice and they do, they know, they know the the poses they want and certain things that they'll do in there. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What do you, what do people come out and say after their, after their, like, after they come out of the float tanks, what are, what are some of the feedback that you hear? A lot of sighs. Oh, a good release. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I needed that. I needed that. One of my favorites actually was recent. And um, it was a young lady and she sat down and she had the biggest smile on her face. And she was like, I don't know whether I want to run around the block right now or take a nap. (laughs) As in like she was in this weird stage of like, I'm so relaxed, but I have so much energy. Um, And it's funny because she was feeling both, but sometimes people feel one or the other. So sometimes people come out and they're just like, full of energy and they're like restored and rested and some people come out and they're just like super relaxed and chilled and they just want to sit on the couch and drink their tea and just yeah take a nap nice that's really exciting to be able to kind of see that before and after Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) why do why do people you you did mention very briefly that people sometimes go in for the physical reasons, whereas yeah. your your gravitational pull to the tanks, it sounds like, is more meditative. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by by people coming in for their for a physical experience within the float tanks? Yeah, totally. So, actually, floating is getting really popular in the sports world now, and a lot of professional athletes too. Um, 
you know, I've known this for a while that the the Patriots are big floaters just because I'm kind of in this world. But I believe on their Super Bowl run this year, there was um, something leaked out to the press or social media that the coaches are well, the players and also the coaches are using the tanks for some rejuvenation. Cool. Um, the the Seahawks, the Saints, the Rams, I mean, the list goes on. I know the Celtics just got a float tank in their new practice facility. Super cool. A lot of um, Division One colleges. Uh, Steph Curry is a huge proponent of floating, um, of the Golden State Warriors basketball player. I think... Uh, well, Sounds like you're a sports fan. <laughs> well, I, I maybe... <laughs> I, I used to be more, but it's, it's more of I'm just a floating fan. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, you know, all these guys that are floating, I become fans of them, you know? So, um, yeah. Similar I'm, practices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a New York Giants fan if you want to get into specifics, but hey, go Patriots. If they're going to promote the flow, you know, I'm all for it. Um, so what are, what are these athletes finding within the float tank that is supporting their, their profession? Yeah, I just want to, I'll answer that. I just want to throw into that. Um, it's really big in the MMA world, CrossFit. So again, Joe, going back to Joe Rogan, he's really big into, um, MMA. And so that kind of world he brought in. So what they're using it for is, um, really like muscle recovery because when you're in there and like your spine is decompressing and your muscles are relaxing, um, like from workouts or from games, you know, training and also the Epsom salt that's in there, the magnesium sulfate, that's very, um, healing for the muscles. And so they're now doing studies. Is the magnesium getting into your system, um, topically? And it's a big thing in the health world now where there's all these magnesium creams rather than like oral powders and pills. Yeah. I've been seeing those a lot. Yeah. And so they're doing the science and, um, with the floating and they were doing it through, um, blood testing, which really isn't accurate because that's not where a lot of the the magnesium hangs out in the body. So they're doing another test with like, they're doing um, skin testing. I'm not sure what the treatment's called, but basically they're putting little sheets on the skin and like ripping off thin um, micro layers of skin to pick up the magnesium. And the, the results are gonna be out soon. I just got back from another float conference in St. Louis like two weeks ago. So they talked about that. Very cool. And you know, I think it's, Regardless of what the studies come through, and, and this is something that, you know, more and more research has also been done around Reiki, but, you know, it's when people feel better, they do it. And it's like, I don't know what it is necessarily about this making me feel better, but if it, if it feeds your mind and feeds your soul and feeds your body and that's that's when that kind of word of mouth and that excitement starts to generate because it's it's just like well I don't know what it does I mean I don't mm -hmm. know how the TV works but I know if I press a button it turns on and I know if I press a button it turns off you know there's there's something happening there yeah and I think Reiki as well as um, meditation are a good example of that where you know um, in the West it's like oh we want the science what why is it working how is it working but, you know, meditation is an ancient practice that's been happening for thousands of years. So, like, if you were to go to the East and tell these guys that, like, well, you know, you, you, you might as well stop doing that because th there's no science on it. You know, I think they would, they would wave their finger at you. 
I think that science is catching up, though, because yeah, oh, yeah. I do think there's a lot of science on, on meditation and what's happening with the brain. Um, and there's more and more stuff coming out with, it sounds like, with, with floating and definitely with Reiki and all that. So it's, yeah, it's it's coming out. I mean, I know that people are feel how they're going to feel and, you know, they'll ultimately choose to believe what they want to believe. But um, but I am a big proponent of, of floating as well. Yeah, so there is a... Um there's an institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma called um, LIBER, which is a Laureate Institute for Brain Research. And Dr. Justin Feinstein is doing this research. And the first study they did with floating is dealing with patients with anxiety. And um, across the board, you know, it was it, it was 50, 50 patients involved. Um, the literature is online for free. You can get it. And um, it, it was helping out like chronic anxiety. And so Justin realizes that these people coming in, you know, there was professional therapist there. It was a professional setting. Whereas, you know, you're coming into a, a local float center, a public space that could kind of shy some of these people away with anxiety. Um, and, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, and I'm not making any, even with the physical or anything, a lot of this is anecdotal, but it's a lot of anecdotal research. Like all, there are all these testimonials across the board. Like it's, it's helping people. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there is there a certain age can people because I you know I feel like anxiety really really affects people who are in their twenties and and younger as well you know and is there a certain um, age limit to how young the floaters can be to come to your to your tanks? Nope, not at all. There is um there is a waiver that if you're under eighteen, you need um a signature of someone or preferably someone with you if you're um you know real young. We have had two six-year-old floats. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about what that was like? Yeah. Um, Obviously, you weren't in there with them, but no, you know, yes. what, what you, um, how that whole, that worked out. Yeah, so they were awesome. And um, one was a young lady and one was a young man. And the young lady, she, um, both were with their mothers. And um, so she went in with her mom. And um, I think her mom ended up hopping in the tank with her. And they were in there. And she said she was able to float around for like half an hour. And she did a really good job now the young man was a little more fidgety he said his mom or his mom said he lasted for about a minute and a half before oh, wow. okay. she booted him out so she could <laughs> she could do the float and so me and me and henry hung out in the lobby and uh we kicked it while mom did her float yeah nice but he loved it for his for what it was worth his little minute and a half float yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who knows what's gonna happen after that minute and a half it might take somebody five or ten minutes the, the times that i floated the first five minutes are the longest yeah and then i'm kind of sitting around and like you mentioned that sometimes you're brain's a little bit more active and you know that first five minutes and then all of a sudden just i'm i'm in outer space or something and it's like oh that that hour is done already yeah so i think um especially for the youth right it could let's not start them out at the hour you know let's give them the couple minutes and then the 10 minutes and then the 15 minutes yeah so with the exception of those real those youngsters it's it's typically one person one tank yes correct? yeah okay. yeah that's a common question you know a lot of couples floating um or, or um, I, I get I get that you know the connection of that, but to me, floating is really something that's about the individual experience. And when you're in there, and I think it's more popular in like Europe, they're doing it, and some float centers offer it. But um, I just heard of a story of a um, 
in Portland of a father floating with his daughter and he said he wasn't able to relax because like he was worried if he moved or if he like made a noise that he was going to disrupt her float then I think he heard she fell asleep so he was able to relax but then like if someone's snoring and so yeah it's it's just individual individual floats um echo with the float yeah and I feel like when I'm in a float tank I I want that to be all about me mm-hmm. you know i don't want anybody else in my space when i'm in there because yeah. they're not the tanks aren't huge they're like you said nine by five but that's you know that's like a, a, a queen size bed or something yeah yeah it could be i mean two people could fit theoretically but yeah it's, you're more you're limited to your movement yeah yeah yep that's really really neat so tell us a little bit about, well, on, on the other end of the spectrum, what is, if you've had clients as young as six come in, mm-hmm. have you had, what's your, what's your oldest clients that you've had come in? Yeah, we've had a couple um, people come in in their, in their 70s. Um, actually, I'll, I'll tell another little uh, story of uh, a floater that came in. She, uh, uh, a man came in with his mother. He was actually visiting from sh- Chicago. I'm pretty sure his mother lives in the area and she came in she was in her 70s I'm not sure how old and she made it out before him so we were chatting and she's like you know she's like I had an epiphany in there she she's like I realized it within the first five minutes she's like I was floating around in there and I was worried about everything and, and all these things going through my head and she's like she told herself she's like stop relax and she's like I realized that you know, I'm a control freak and I, and I want to control everything. And I, I just started breathing and I relaxed and she's like, I had the best float. And, and I told her, and so we got talking about it when her son came out, who was in his like forties or 50, whatever. And he's like, mom, it took you 70, whatever years to realize <laughs> that you're a control freak. It took a float yeah. tank for you to realize that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, how often do we, you know, sometimes people don't meditate or don't have that, that internal practice Mm -hmm. where they get to just observe and then your body is also physically relaxing. So it allows your mind to relax too. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, sometimes or vice versa, right? When the mind is super relaxed, then the body relaxes people who carry tension. Right. And, um, on the other hand, when, when the body is super relaxed and the mind is able to relax, going back to the meditation where, you know, you're trying to get a practice going and you're sitting and your back hurts, your legs are hurting, whatever. But because in the tank, you're in that zero gravity environment and your body's not, gravity's not pushing back on your body, then your mind is able to easier to let go. Ah, I'm, I'm sighing just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you been in East Hampton for? How long has Go With a Float been open for now? Yeah, so we opened in early December, so um, it's been about six months. Wow. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yep. Um, well, tell us a little bit. We're, we're kind of wrapping towards the end of the show. What what would you like people to, to know uh, about floating, or what do you feel like is important information for people to know about this? Yeah, so we talked about um, earlier about how a lot of people are apprehensive about this experience. So um, I, I do want to, you know, talk a little bit more about that because people that come in, who you know, there it's it's varying levels of um, uh, apprehension. I'll keep using the word apprehension, and those who are higher than others, once they do it and they come out the other end 
you know, they're fine. Like literally we've had some, there's been a few, a handful of people coming in and I, you know, commend them for coming in because just terrified, terrified to do this. And we make them feel very comfortable and they're good. And then they do it and they're like, man, that was fine. What was I so worried about? What was about? I so worried about? Um, a lot of times people will come in and uh, they're like, oh, I know all these people that want to do it, but they're scared. So they're sending me in to come do it. Um, I also want to say that, you know, before before you uh, are scheduling your appointment or paying any money, if you ever want to stop in and come check it out, the door is always open. Um, we'd be happy to give you a tour, answer any of the questions, show you the tanks. Um, right now on the website, we are working on, we just made a little short video of, you know, someone getting showering, getting in the tank, floating, getting out of the tank. So sometimes a picture is not enough for people. So we're just connecting the audio file to that right now. And um, soon we're going to have a little demo. If you're interested, you can hop on the website, um, gwtfloat.com to get a little um a video but again come in for the real thing and, and we'll give you a tour and, and show and answer any questions that's fabulous so the the website that you mentioned is uh so the the business is called go with the float mm -hmm. so the website is gwt float f-l-o-a-t.com correct and what is the is um can you give us a shout out for the number as well um I don't even know the number off of my head. I Come do on, have back it. me up, Karen. I have it right here. Don't <laughs> I have, worry. Okay, I have it's it on call. It's 413. Yeah. It's 413-203-5522. And again, that's uh, for Go With a Float and 413-203-5522. If you want to go and check out the space or if you have questions that where you can chat with Stephen directly um, and, you know, kind of, you know, maybe see what it is. Because I think you're, you're totally right. People do you have a lot of apprehension when they just don't know mm -hmm. when they don't know what they're walking into where they are you know there's just so many variables potential variables involved yeah, it, it's the fear of the unknown and a lot of a lot of what's going through their head is not even it's not even a real thing they just kind of picture the worst case scenario yeah which is drowning or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can people drown I know you said no, people can't no die no one's ever drowned no one's ever drowned in a float tank no <laughs> Nope. You can. People do sleep, though. Okay. Because, um, you know, I think that's kind of what, what happens if I sleep? Well, I roll over and drown. Um, yeah, people sleep in there. People who have trouble sleeping at night, the, it, it really helps them. They come and get that rest, and they have a, um, a good night's sleep that night. Or even um, days, days after, yeah. And, you know, something else that, you know, I just thought about is that you did mention how you feel like floating is not just a novelty. It's you know, you talked about it being a lifestyle and mm. it being more of something that is part of your self-care routine. Yeah, like a, a practice. I like to use the word practice. So I think kind of like how <clears throat> how yoga jumped off in the West, you know, back in whatever, the 60s or whatever, it was like the weird stretchy thing all the hippies were doing, right? And now it's like everyone and their mother, like literally everyone and their mother is there's yoga is everywhere, right? So I think the next wave is is meditation but again you know several times in this conversation bringing up the fact that the the western mind is having a hard time with that focus that patience that discipline so that goes back to the the training wheel metaphor of of floating 
fabulous. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, if you are just tuning in, um, you can listen to this uh, episode on ReikiNorthampton.com backslash radio, and you can catch all the archive shows. Um, we've been chatting here with Stephen Bryla of Go With The Float. So, um, you know, go to the website of GWTFloat.com for more information. And um, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Stephen. Yeah, it was a complete honor, and thanks for having me. And just again, one more time, like Carolyn said, um, the website where we do the social media thing, Instagram, Facebook, and you can call that number anytime, and um, I will answer any questions that you have. Fabulous. All right. Well, have a great rest of your evening, everyone, and be well. Peace.